What's up, Raider Nation? What's going on? I'm your host, Nick Hamilton, one half of this Silver and Black Turf podcast here on SB Nation. With my man, Scott Wynn, riding shotgun. We got a whole lot to talk about this week. That's right. Nobody is safe in John Gruden's administration. Hell, we may not even be safe under John Gruden's administration. We'll get into that and your newest Raider acquisitions. We'll get into those. And we'll do a little bit of forecasting when it comes to who the Raiders need in the upcoming 2019 NFL draft. So we've got a whole lot to talk about in a short amount of time to do it. Let me bring on my man. It's been a minute, partner. How you doing? Scott Winter, what's going on, man? Oh, it's going great. But I, I just found out that I was released by the Raiders today. Oh, damn, man. Well, it's nice <laughs> knowing you. <man. laughs> Did John yeah. Gruden, did John Gruden, uh, uh, give you a roster bonus and then cut you? Is that how it went? No, no. See, oh, I'm, okay. you know, okay. apparently, okay. I'm, I'm, you know, I didn't run oh, fast wow. enough. Yeah, apparently not. You didn't catch the ball. I mean, I'm still on a, like, like, I'm, they haven't asked me to turn in my playbook as of yet. So I should be okay for right now. I'm scared of going to my locker though. <laughs> uh, but, uh, <laughs> and then, and then Seth Roberts out there. You know, dodging cuts like in the Matrix. You know, yeah. <laughs> although tough to, idea. to be fair, Seth Roberts, you know, is a Gruden grinder and has earned his way. I, I really like it, kid, but I, you know, I had to make that joke. Hey, man, Gruden is is out here cutting souls out here in these Raider streets, man. He is no joke. We'll get into that in just a few seconds. But first and foremost, man, how you been, Scott? It's been a minute, man. I know we've been on different podcasts throughout the uh, Silver and Black uh, Pride Network here on SB Nation. I know you was doing something with Joe. I did something with Joe Arrigo as well. What's been up, man? Well, you know, I'm, I, I've been keeping my ears to the phone. I've been, I'm hearing so many different things, and I've been hearing so many different things. You know, I don't have the context like I used to have, but I still got friends, you know, in low places. But, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, but I mean, it's, it's the things that I'm hearing, it's, you see a plan, you hear a plan, and then all of a sudden, you know, you get an idea of the plan. Okay, they're going to draft defense because they're going to buy their offense. They went out, they prioritized signing Trent Brown. They prioritized signing T. Williams. Those were guys, two guys that they wanted to immediately upgrade their offense. They went after them. A.B. was a bonus. That was kind of like a target of opportunity. And, you know, of course, Joyner was a guy that they targeted. You know, it's kind of like, kind of like that old cartoon. John Gruden's talking to Paul and he says, okay, Paul, there's one for you, one for me, one for you, one, two for me, one for you, three for you, one, two, three for me. Obviously he's going, you know, he's going offense. He wants his turnkey offense. And, uh, you know, and I'm hearing all kinds of things. I, I heard that the Raiders were in it all the way to the wire on Le'Veon Bell and at the last minute. The yeah, Raiders had a deal. I heard that they had a deal, and boom, you know, it lay, it lay, well, I was like, yeah, because I heard some stuff know? too. I heard, I heard yeah, some we'll get into that. Maybe, uh, it's all good. We'll definitely get yeah. into that. So, first things first, since you open up the presents and you open up the gifts, let's talk about Tyrell Williams. Now, for many that don't know, Tyrell Williams is used to the AFC West. He obviously played several years uh, with the the Los Angeles Chargers, 
and uh, in a, in a, what I considered a loaded wide receiver core with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, they had, they were loaded. So you knew that Tyrell was probably going to end up testing the free agency market. Um, even when we talked with general manager Tom Telesco, he kind of indicated that, hey, you know, we would like to have Tyrell, but more than likely because of money and situations of that nature, Tyrell is probably going to end up testing the free agent market. Of course he did. And yes, he ended up staying in California. Um, I, I know I had the podcast with Joe Arrigo and I said that, you know, a perfect tandem with Antonio Brown, uh, signing on already would be Tyrell Williams because he could be a perfect number two to Antonio Brown. Um, yeah. and he is. Um, he's definitely not a number one wide receiver at all. Uh, even though he kind of got paid like one, but he's definitely a number two and he's a good guy. I mean, watching him the, the, the many years that I've covered the Chargers. There's one guy, one thing I can say about Tyrell is that Tyrell is a guy that he loves the game of football. Uh, Raider Nation, you're getting a, a really solid wide receiver. He, he, he likes studying film work. He gets in there. He get, he put, he puts in 110%, um, in practice. So Gruden would definitely be happy. And I think that's one of the reasons why Gruden, you know, was looking at him really heavy on his radar because he knew the type of player that Tyrell Williams is, especially playing with a top-notch quarterback like Phillip Rivers. Um, and now you're going with Derek Carr. So, I mean, you have to give Derek Carr some weapons, especially when you have Antonio Brown, which reports we saw, we knew that reports came out that he was going to go to football Siberia, better known as the Buffalo Bills. That got recanted. And then he ended up signing at the, you know, in the 11th hour with the Oakland future Las, Las Vegas Raiders. And so when you look at what that means to this team, I mean, having a number one wide receiver, probably the best in the game in Antonio Brown. Um, if you watched, if it's, if you watched his press conference, uh, he looked a little different there, Scott. I mean, he didn't have the gold stash, which I was very happy to see. Thank God for that. You know, he, he looked pretty clean cut, like he, he finally had a shave after a few months. You know, he was clean. He came in there, you know, crispy and clean. You know, he, he, uh, and he explained himself. He said, you know, he's a hard worker. He, he, and the one quote that stood out to me was this. He told NFL Network's MJ Acosta, shout out to MJ Acosta. She does great work on NFL Network, especially when she covers the Raiders. Um, Emmy Award winning MJ Acosta, I might add. But she, he told MJ that, you know, don't, li, li, don't necessarily listen to my words, listen to my, you know, watch my actions because my actions are, are louder. That's what kind of got you in trouble in the first place with some of your actions and antics. That's what kind of got you in the position that you got in in the first place. I don't think that I, I understand where he was going with that as far as saying, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm a hard worker, which he is solid, you know, excellent route runner. Um, the guy can catch a ball, you know, loves the game of football, but I don't think that was the greatest choice of words looking at the previous history you had in Pittsburgh on the sidelines. Just saying. Well, here's the thing. And, 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 you know, I went back and forth on this because, you know, I'm one of those guys that I really don't show up for work and, and play the game. We were spoiled, uh, growing up, you know, Jerry Rice, Tim Brown, uh, you know, lunch pail guys that showed up, did their job. And if they had an issue, it was behind the scenes and, you know, they didn't come out and it, it was just go to work. And I get it's a different kind of uh, environment. I get, you know, with the, with the millennials, it's a little bit splashy. I'm, I'm okay with that. But after looking into it, you see, okay, so Le'Veon Bell's gone. Why did Le'Veon, what was, Le'Veon turned down like $70 million. Uh, hey, wouldn't that be nice? His first world problems, you know, Nick, hey, $70 million. Nope. I don't want $70 million. I'm I mean, good. seriously, um, do, you know, right? <laughs> okay. 
Matavius Bryant had to get out of that organization. You could say, well, because, you know, he had some substance abuse issues, maybe he's a one-off, you know, maybe Le- uh, Le'Veon, you know, he turned down $7 million. He must, you know, he just did it for the money, blah, blah, blah. Then you got Jesse James come out today. He goes to his new team and says, I'm just happy to get out of that drama in in, in, in Pittsburgh. What? Who would, who would have ever thought that you, the word drama in Pittsburgh would go together? Just saying. It, it, it has been a class organization, but – Ever since the old man died, and God rest his soul, because, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, ever since the old man died, he, that, that team is just different. I mean, not, I'm, it just seems different. It, it, ever since Rooney died, it's just different. So I don't know. I, I mean, they, they still have an excellent scouting department. Though I believe that they'll bounce back from this. But Ben Roethlisberger, and another thing, another thing that AB said, Today he spent his third day with Derek Carr working out playing catch. That? Oh Thursday, oh Thursday. He oh, said yeah. it. Yeah, Thursday he said it today. After, yeah, 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 yeah. Thursday yeah. afternoon, right. right? Thursday afternoon. He says, "This is the most time I've ever spent with my quarterback." Uh, you know, Roethlisberger never spent, never ever did an off-season workout with me. Not once. He never invited me over to his house. Well, well Derek Carr would of, let his family he, move in. You know, you let, I mean, so yeah, you know. exactly, because that's the kind of dude Derek Carr is. But you talk about different, and that's I think that's the point that AB was trying to convey over to the masses of that he is a different individual. He's the same guy as it pertains to the level of talent, because I always say he's immensely talented, but he's a different guy as far as his attitude. My concern is the fact of okay, what happens in week seven or week eight when the Raiders aren't doing so hot? Let's just say, for example. Not saying mm-hmm. they will, not saying they won't, but as an example, let's just say the Raiders are not doing that great by week seven, week eight. Okay. And he's not, he doesn't feel he's getting the ball enough from Derek Carr. He feels Derek Carr is spreading the ball around too much to Tyrell Williams or he's spreading around to this person or that person. Okay. Are we going to see another blow up episode like we did in Pittsburgh? That's what concerns me the most about this entire AB signing was the fact that where is the leadership in the Raiders locker room? Because as far as I'm concerned and as far as I can see, there's no solid leadership in the locker room outside of John Gruden. It's great to have Gruden on the sidelines because Gruden is a no-nonsense coach. He doesn't tolerate foolishness, which I can respect about him. But at the same time, you need somebody in the locker room who would come in and say, look, this is the way we do things. We have fun. We can get together. But this is the way that we do things here in Oakland. This is what we do. This is how we conduct our business. It's no different than when I walk into a Chargers locker room, I, I can look at Melvin Ingram. I can look at Joey Bosa. I can look at Brandon Mebane. I can go in there and I can guarantee you if they had an OBJ, let's say if the, if the Chargers end up, were, were to end up with uh, Odell Beckham or someone of that caliber, I guarantee you they're going to have guys in that locker room to say, hey, we love you, OBJ. We're glad you're on the team. But here's how it works here in Chargerville. This is what we do. This is what we don't do. This is what we tolerate. This is what we don't tolerate. On top of Philip Rivers sitting down with him and giving him the business about the do's and don'ts and the rules and regulations of what goes on in that locker room. The same, I don't, other than the same thing with the Rams locker room. I can see Andrew Whitworth. I can see, you know, Akeem Tlaib. Those are some leaders in the locker room. I don't see that. I don't see a necessary leader in the locker room that's going to lay down the law where it gets respected. Well, that's that. You know, it's funny you, you mentioned that. I had a conversation 
yesterday out there. We were talking back and forth uh, with on Twitter about it. You know, Antonio Brown. We were talking about Antonio Brown. He is the alpha dog. He's going to come in there, and based on what he said, you know, and and his enthusiasm, he is going to be that guy that's going to hold the wide receiving court accountable. He's going to be that guy that's going to go in there and lay down the law. And Gruden is going to lay down the law with him. I mean, Gruden had him watching film. They watched 400 plays before they even did the press conference. Right. I believe they'll have there because there's so much mutual respect there. John Gruden said, you know, a month ago or two months ago that Antonio Brown's the hardest working guy he's ever seen. And he had, and, and he compares him to Jerry Rice and said he worked out even better. And that's saying something because, you know, Jerry Rice and sweetness, for those who don't know, you know, that that's a great running back, Bears running back. They had, to me, they, in the old days, they were the workout kings. You know, they, they, they stepped up. They wore people out on their, on their workouts. So you go back to Antonio Brown's going to come in there and he is going to be that leader. And I believe that, you know, when you take on that role and you have a locker room like that. Now I, I even reached out to, to Charles Woodson and Justin Tuck. Charles Woodson didn't answer me. Justin Tuck did though. And he said, I said, I, I said, I don't think we've had. That kind of alpha dog mentality, I don't think the Raiders have since Justin Tuck and Charles Woodson. And Justin Tuck said, yeah, that was Charles Woodson. <laughs> he just, he just shouted out to him and said, that's Charles Woodson was that guy. And I don't know if the Raiders yeah. have had that since because, because Khalil yeah. Mack and I was in that locker room with Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack is a very well spoken guy. He was, he was a silent leader. He was a I'm on the field kind of leader. He wasn't imposing, and Derek Carr's not imposing, you know. But and that's, and that's, Antonio Brown's going to be that guy. And that's what concerns me because who's going to keep outside of John Gruden? What player is going to keep him in check? And that's going to be part of the problem. This is what this is. This is the, like I said. This is the one thing that truly concerns me about um, this signing. Nothing about his talent, about off the field. And again, he can prove me wrong. And I hope Antonio Brown has an, a fantastic season in Oakland. Because he is a guy that needs to be out there on that field. He is, he needs to showcase his talent. He needs to be in the mix. And I hope that he has a fantastic year. I don't wish the man anything, even though some of y'all out there call me a Raider header, which is fine. That's cool. I'm, I'm good with it. I mean, you know, I don't cry over spilled milk. It is what it is. If y'all saw y'all feel, you, you guys out there feel that way. That's great. My mom made it. Um, but I look at it in a way where that's what concerns me. I mean, you have a, a nice wide receiver court. Like I said, with Tyrell Williams, he's always been that complimentary wide receiver. So he goes right back from one role into the same role with a different team. And he's very familiar with the Oakland Raiders. I mean, hell, they played each other twice a year for the last several years. So he pretty much is not a, a, a huge um, transition to go from SoCal to NoCal, uh, at least for the time being. So, I like the move. Um, another move I like was Trent Brown. Um, I think with Trent Brown, I think it's a, it's a really good move for the Raiders. They needed some beef up front. Scott, you've yelled this to the high heavens and Lord knows the football guys have answered your prayers when it comes to the Oakland Raiders up front. So they definitely got a, a nice guy, uh, as far as the position goes and Trent Brown from the New England Patriots coming out of Bill Belichick's system. Uh, I think that's, that's going to help help keep Derek Carr upright long enough for him to get the ball off. Um and I I I thought it was a really solid move. I thought I know a lot of people kind of shunned it, uh kind of had some thumbs down on it as far as the the amount of years and money, but when you look at the years and the money, 
it kind of it really equates to less than what we w- it was flashed across the screen as far as his, his the, the amount of guaranteed money he's going to receive. Um, it's almost like a, a one or a, almost like a two year deal, if I'm not mistaken. It's a two year deal with a with a mid load uh, on in the first year in Las Vegas. It's going to be like a twenty twenty one point five million dollar uh, year in in, right. in that first year in Las Vegas. So he's going to get paid tax free at least on the state level uh, their first year in Las Vegas, which is which is kind of cool. Uh, the thing the thing about Brown and I you you know it's a five hundred pound. Uh, elephant in a room was that offensive line. 51 sacks. 51 sacks. You can't have your quarterback getting beat up like that. And it doesn't matter who you're going to bring in a quarterback. You're going to stick with Carr? Great. You're going to bring in Murray, you know, the, 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 the midget? Great. You're going to bring in Haskins? <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You it have doesn't got matter what it to is. protect him. You got to protect him. Now, he's 6'8", you know, like 700, 50 pounds. He's really, it's like 380. Um, and he's going to be playing <laughs> at about 375. But I mean, he's a, he is a monster. The guy, he played, uh, he played right tackle with the 49ers. So, I mean, and he was considered one of the top five right tackles with 49ers. Belichick switches him, flips him, and, you know, talking to Penn, and I, and I talked to Penn about what it was like switching to right tackle last year. And he was like, man, it's like, it's like right and left handed. It was like, it's like, I've been doing this so long, I, it was so hard to do. I said, but you still did it better than most anybody until you got here. He goes, well, yeah, I'm good. That's why, <laughs> you know, and that's Penn. Penn's awesome, by the way. Um, but Belichick flips him, and he becomes a fantastic left tackle. Now, the Raiders are noncommittal as where he's going to play. Is Colt Miller going to be on the left side? We don't know yet. Is Brown going to be on the left side? We don't know yet. Both of them have versatility. So I bet it's going to be ever whoever does the best job they're going to, you know, they're going to put him there. And Brandon Parker will be the swing. So if, I feel good yeah, about that. Yeah, I can see that. I can see Parker. And I like Parker on the swing, too, by the way. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. he brings a level of versatility that can throw off a lot of, D, uh, uh, you know, opposing teams' D-lines as far as when it comes to moving plays, and especially third and short, um, things of that nature. So I think the Raiders really got a, a key piece that they were looking for. And, and, and of course, they're going to go through the draft. I mean, they're going to build up through the draft. Um, another guy on the, uh, that they acquired, that the Raiders acquired, was Lamarcus Joyner. Now, if you, those of you who are not familiar with Lamarcus Joyner, he is the former safety of the Los Angeles Rams, who uh, was recently got their behinds kicked in Super Bowl Fifty Three. Um, but throughout the season, uh, Lamarcus Joyner played very well. I thought he was a, a, a even though he's a five nine ish type of a, a, a safety, which if anybody knows me knows I'm not I'm never a fan of, of short safeties or corners. Uh but this guy really gets after it. Um he sees a lot of things before it goes before it happens when it comes to opposing uh offenses. Um he worked really well in Way Phillips system. He was very diligent in his job and he gives he gives it a, he gives it his all. Um when you look at what uh in that in that loaded secondary when you had uh a uh, uh, to Tlaib and Marcus Peters and you know, Troy Hill and guys like that. I mean, LaMarcus Joyner really made his mark, uh, in that loaded secondary. So for a guy like that to stand out amongst the names that I mentioned, but to be on the Raiders radar, that really says a lot about his, not only his work ethic, but a lot about his game and a lot about his talent as it pertains where it can help the Raiders tremendously who needed help. Good Lord, do they need help in that secondary? My God, your man got, uh, uh what's the guy that was formerly, uh, uh, 
in the secondary. I can't remember his name. He was what, so Gilchrist or which which one he talk uh, uh, uh Melvin or Gilchrist or Sean I believe Smith it was Gilchrist. Was but Gilchrist, yeah. I believe Gilchrist the one that tire marks all over him because uh, he was getting burned that, so damn much. Well, no, that was Reggie Nelson. <laughs> that, that was Reggie Nelson. That was Reggie Nelson. See how bad know, he was? That, I don't even remember the damn name. That's how no, bad he was. No. He, does, he doesn't Reggie even deserve to forget. have his name. Yeah, he, he, he no, doesn't I mean, even deserve to have his name mentioned on this show. Damn it. That's I, how bad I, I, he I can, was. Can, Call him Tyron Mark. Yeah. That's what he should be called. Because he was getting burned the, damn near every place. The flip side, and I'm not talking about Reggie. Reggie, it was time for him to move on. But, you know, that secondary, just by proxy, if you get a pass rush and they don't have to defend a receiver for an average of four seconds every pass play, they're going to get better. They got Gary Conley, who's, who's fantastic. But you know, going back to Joyner, you know, you know, now you got two guys back there out of three. They re-signed Eric Harris to a to a nice little team friendly here deal, and that's a fantastic story on its own. Smart. You know, that guy goes that guy goes from from you know rags to riches, which is awesome, mm-hmm. life changing money. He earned it. But now you got two guys back there at safety that can't get on the rides at Disneyland. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, no, I love them, by the way. I, I mean, like Carl Joseph, I believe, really came on strong as the season progressed uh, with the Raiders. And I believe that, you know, he really is a thumping guy. And, and Joyner even, you know, talked about him. You know, I like that old school pounder guy. Now, now the thing about Joyner is, I mean, he's fast. So you, and he also could play a slot. So you can, he's versatile. But, you know, you watched him. The guy is one of the best tackling safeties in the game. He missed like, what, five tackles all year out of, out of something like 80, 90 attempts. That yeah, ain't bad. It was about, it was about you know 80, I mean? 85 attempts. Yeah. 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 You're right. Right in that. He missed five. Yeah. That's, that's it strong. Amazing. And that's what you need. Yeah. You need that. And he's little, you know, so I mean, it's not, he's not afraid to, you know, he's got that, he's got that Napoleon. Syndrome in him. He got a dumb, you know, I don't, you say, say something. Say I'm short. Say it. You know, you know I mean, say something, I like bro. it. I like that. That's right. Bye bye, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm going to knock the hell out of your kneecaps. So, I mean, but I, I, I like the guy. I like his attitude. I, I, I you know, listen to, to some of the things that he's already said. <clears throat> he's fantastic. I think he's a good fit, but you know, get these guys some help up front. Yeah. They need some help. They got they got yeah, one I mean, defensive end on the whole team right now. This is and this is the and this is one of the problems that you and I talked about. You extensively to be to be exact. Um, where are they going to get this help that they so desperately need? Is there enough, enough in the draft? Whether they you know move down, they may you know, and we and I saw that you talked about. You talked about this on Thursday morning when you said on Twitter, when you said, Hey, if the Raiders could move down, why not move down to get more picks and to be able to, to, you know, kind of spread yourself a little thinner than what you are as far as getting more picks and be able to build your team through the draft. Um, a la Bill Polding. And when I look at what the Raiders could do, like I said, like I told you before, if Nick Bosa falls a four, you'd be a damn fool not to pick up Nick Bosa. You better find a place for Nick Bosa. That's all I'm gonna say. I don't give a damn what what's already been previously there. If you don't find a place for Nick Bosa, you are a damn fool. If he's if he's right there at four for you to sit there and select and draft, he may not be. He may. I know a lot of projections have gone have seen Nick Bosa go to 
Number two, which would be the San Francisco 49ers across the bay. Uh, but yep. if the 49ers decide to, you know, flip the script and say, you know what, we're going in a different direction and Bosa slips down to four where the Oakland Raiders are, you got to get him. Why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you not get Nick Bosa? So that's what I look at. But beyond number four, and you and I talked about this extensively, and I, and it, it moves me to my next point of, as far as the running game. Now we talked about Le'Veon Bell. I know, I know you and Joe Rigo and a few other people, uh, in the Silver and Black Pride, uh, podcast network here through SB Nation. Uh, we're following extensively on about Le'Veon Bell. I was following as well. Um, I was kind of keeping my, my hand glued to Twitter. I was looking at text messages, see if anybody hit me up about something. Um, and I thought, for sure, it was between the Raiders and the Jets. We knew that for certain. The Jets put on put him on a restriction of sorts when they said, you know what? You're on the clock, buddy. You're going to give us a decision by this time, or we're pulling our offer off the table. Lo and behold, we, we would like – and so that, that looked very uh, positive and convincing for the Raiders because the Raiders were like, hey, we got to Wednesday. So whatever you want to do, we got you to Wednesday. We're good. And lo and behold – Tuesday night, Jets swooped, swooped in and, you know, gamed up, gamed up Le'Veon Bell. And there you go. And so this is what we see. And, it, and he got, what is it, 55 mil or 52? Was it 52 million that Le'Veon Bell? Well, and incentives, incentives and everything. He gets up to 61. So he does, he can, he can push his so guarantee he got year. 35. But he got, yeah, he got, well, not even, no, I thought it was like less than, yeah, 35? Yeah. It was, no, no, he got like 31, 33. He would have got more guaranteed with Pittsburgh, actually. If, if, so uh, he'll he earn, so, okay, so Le'Veon earned $26 million in the first two years of the contract. $25 right. million is a guaranteed signing. So there's no guaranteed yeah. money after the second year, which essentially makes it a, a, a makes it a two year, $26 million deal. Um, yeah. the deal, if he would have taken it from the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think it was around, it would have included about 33 million in the first two years and then 20 and a half million guaranteed in the first year. So that's pretty much yeah. the breakdown of, of his 50, $52.5 million contract, uh, for four years right. with, the, with the New York Jets. Um, here's the problem I have. And I, and I think this kind of set the Raiders back. I, I think it, it kind of took some shine and some steam out of the Raiders train because everybody was gunning like, Oh, here we go. You know, Steelers West, here we go, A.B., and then Le'Veon Bell's following Derek Carr. Uh-oh, here come the here come the myopic Raiders fans. Man, it's happening. He just followed David Carr on Twitter. Oh, my God, he just took a picture of David Carr and put it on his wall. I mean, it was just – it was ridiculous, man. I mean, it was, I was sitting back laughing because I couldn't – I thought it was funny how he was just hooking people on left and right, left and right. Uh-oh, he's wearing a black T-shirt. What does that mean for Raider Nation? Like, man, if y'all don't sit back, relax, and have a tall glass and shut the hell up and just enjoy the process, we don't know what this man is going to do. And, um, you know, he ended up signing the, with, 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 with Gang Green. And I think it set the Raiders back because, to me, it made the Raiders – if the Raiders would have been able to sign Le'Veon Bell, I think it would have definitely improved their running game. They would have actually had a really respectable, significant running game. Now they go back to mediocrity when it comes to the Raider to the to the running game because what are you gonna do? Sign Doug Martin for a year or so. You got Beast Mode who can't stay healthy a whole season. And there's no disrespect disrespect to Beast Mode. I love Beast Mode, but his time is come and gone. 
you're going to re-sign him or let him come back into the fold? So what, you got two running backs that are mediocre at best at the position that they're in. So you gonna, it, it indicates to me that they're going to do a lot more airing it out than, than ground and pound. Well, the, here's the thing. Well, yeah, that's a thing. I, you know, I've heard, you know, multiple angles on this that the Raiders were really close to a deal with them in the afternoon and they were really feeling it. I mean, I, I've heard some fr- uh, friends of mine say, you know, the Raiders feel like they got this. Uh, and you could feel that coming out. Now the NFL network was, and nobody else was covering it because everybody thinks that the Raiders are broke. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding you. There was a big thing. The Raiders oh, can't be it. in it because they're broke. You saw all that. Like, on, they're, they're broke. Why you I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding you. You want to hear me? You know, Raiders, Mark Ra- Raiders get cutting a check. They cut a check to the Raiders on Wednesday for over $250 million cash, but they broke. So that, you know, okay. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm saying? Said, I mean, I mean first, like you said, first world problems. Maybe, maybe some of those uh, people yeah, have right. first world problems. Maybe 250 well, so, is not enough for them. Yeah, I guess not. But I mean, you know, they hadn't spent, <laughs> you know, a hundred million yet, you know? So the, the idea that, so they weren't covering it. And it's like there was a couple of guys, uh, one of them, you know, uh, was fan-sided, who actually hired me a fan-sided, Matt, over there. He's a big Chiefs fan. He actually said, broke that story. He said, look, he said, the Raiders are close to this. And, you know, he's got the he's got the check mark, and he's a good guy. I mean, I've never seen him lie before. You can be wrong. It's a fluid situation. So here's what I feel happened. The Raiders and Bell, they were close. You know, and they were, they were, they were talking it up. AB saying this and this, that and the other. Uh, uh, it was looking good. And then I think Bell was like, you know what? I'm going to go check the Jets one more time and go, Hey, guess what? This is what the Raiders going to pay me. I'm just a little bit less than what you're going to pay me, but, but I get to play with my friends and, and, and the Jets went, you know what? We'll, we'll put you a little bit more in there. And, and the Ra- oh, wow. and he went back to the Raiders and the Raiders was like, look, we ain't playing this game. Yeah, well, did, okay, knowing, knowing what the Raiders' needs are, right? And we talked about them extensively. Right. Whether we talked about offensive, offensively, defensively, what have, what have you, especially on the on both sides of the line. Why didn't the Raiders? You knew this was going to be a game when you got into the sweepstakes. You knew that. Everybody knew that. Hell, Stevie Wonder could have saw that. Everybody knew it was going to be a game. It was going to be when you entered your name in the hat of the Le'Veon Bell sweepstakes. You knew it. My thing, my question to you is, why weren't the Raiders, once they knew the offer from the Jets, I mean, I'm sure they went back and forth and they were keeping track. I'm sure Le'Veon was keeping them posted on what was going on. Why did you say, okay, look, let's cut the charade. Here's our offer that would have shattered any offer that the Jets could have got, could have gone, especially with the money that they had available to sign a guy of this caliber who had a year off, so he has a year, one less year of wear and tear on his body that they didn't run into the ground a la DeMarco Murray. Or as we see now, Ty Gurley with the knee and with the knee arthritis, unfortunately. Why didn't they go after? Why didn't they go after Le'Veon Bell harder? Well, you know that's a, that's a very good question, and and you could ask the same question: why they didn't just pay you know Khalil Mack another one point five million uh, a year, uh, or or you know what me. they were looking at fifteen. I mean, well, I'm just you know you, you could make that oh, no, you could make no. that statement, but. Again, Bell was a target of opportunity. He wasn't in their original plan. It's kind of one of those things where we got Bell. I mean, and they got Bell by being patient. 
I mean, not Bill, I mean Brown, by being patient. They didn't, they put out an offer. It was, it was the fifth round pick. I mean, the, uh, the, the third round pick. That's all they offered. And, and, you know, Steelers were like, yeah, we'll get back to you. And then once the Steelers went through everybody else, I mean, the Steelers went to the point, and this is what I believe, to make up a story about the Bills, because even today, the Bills GM came out and said that that was a bogus rumor. The Bills GM said oh, that so the on Bills the record came out on today. Thursday and said that he the Bills yeah, GM came Thursday out on Thursday and okay, said that he, he was he was wow. upset that 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 the Bills Buffalo was getting painted as 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 NFL Siberia, and he said it had started with this dang <laughs> rumor that had no merit. So I believe that the hey, Steelers man. drummed this up all on themselves to try to get someone anybody to to give them a two. Or to give him a one. Now, the Patriots came in at the last minute, and, and 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 the Raiders said, "You know what? Look, we'll get this deal done. If, look, we'll throw in a fifth too." And and the Steelers were like, "It's old American. You could talk to him now because they they wanted anything." And then the Patriots at the last minute came in and said, "You know what? We'll give you two and a four. Now, to be real, <laughs> the Patriots two and the four is only like six picks difference in total between the Raiders three and the five because you know they won the Super Bowl. But uh, Steelers said, nah, nah, we, we got to play you. We don't want Brown going there. Well, see, so, and this is the problem I have you know. because you can't play you can't play Antonio Brown like you would Le'Veon Bell. The Antonio Brown situation was completely different than what Le'Veon right. Bell was because you can't – and that's what I'm saying. This is what – again, I said this on a previous show, Scott. What concerns me on certain decisions is a dude like Mike Mayock and, and John Gruden – Mike Mayock being inexperienced at his position, and you got a dude like John Gruden is like, hey man, who's go who who's who's dictating to who? Because if I'm the law if I'm the Oakland slash Las Vegas Raiders, and I know I need a running game to compete, not only in my division, but to keep compete in my conference, okay, with the one of the most elite backs in the game today. And I know I'm in a bidding war between New York and myself, me being the Oakland Raiders organization. I'm going as hard in the paint as I can because I know the value of what I'm going to get, even if I give him a three-year deal, right? If I give this dude a three-year deal, make him one of the probably one of the highest-paid running backs as far as overall money. Now, we can get into the guarantees and the incentives later on, but I'm just saying overall money when you flash a ticker taper across the screen. I'm going after Le'Veon Bell hard because I know what he brings to a team, especially with a guy who is who is a year off, a year less wear and tear. Before he went got the year off, he was one of the quoted as one of the best backs in the game, and he's going to give you his all with a young quarterback that needs all the weapons possible. I mean, look at what the Rams did with Jared Goff. And I'm not comparing Jared Goff to Derek Carr because I think Derek Carr is a better quarterback than Jared Goff. But what I'm saying is you need to surround this guy with as many weapons as possible. You say this is your quarterback. You say you believe in him. Now, we all know this is a make-or-break year for Derek Carr. You said it, Scott. I've said it. What goes on is this. If I'm trying to get every bit and every ounce and every blood out of the turnip, I'm going to give my quarterback every advantage I can to make him successful, which makes our team successful. The fact that they slipped and dropped the ball on Le'Veon Bell 
concerns me upstairs because it tells me, okay, if you drop the ball with a, a premier back like Le'Veon Bell, what else are you going to drop the ball on? That's what it concerns me. There is something that's going through my head right now because today, uh, Thursday, has been a crazy day as far as who they cutting, who they are um, letting go. They wanted to keep A.J. McCarron, but all of a sudden $5 million for a backup quarterback is too much. They wanted to keep uh, <laughs> Jordy Nelson, and they paid Jordy Nelson $3.6 million in December. Paying right. him early to roll it up in last year's cap, and, and said, yeah, he's, he he he's going to be with us. Yep, and then tell him to kick rocks. But I mean, both of those, there's a thought, and 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 it's being whispered around, and even Mike Mayock said it uh, on Sirius uh, Radio, said that uh, there's a, there the, the door is open for them to come back at a lower rate. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. Uh, but you know they're moving around. They're 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 cutting these roster, these, this roster, and they're making room. It's not because they don't have money. People, you know, uh, have reported was well, this because they're cash poor. No, they just got a check for a quarter billion with a B dollars. Right, just got right. one, and it ain't right. and it ain't like they got bills. They ain't got like a hundred and fifty million dollars in bills to pay right this second. It ain't. So it's not that. It's it's cap moves, which means to me, and plus, you know, John Gruden talked about it in in the, in the Antonio Brown press conference with Mike Mayock, said that there's a couple other deals coming up, and that because they got Brown, that changed everything. That really, really, I, I'm I believe they're really accounting for a lot of this money, and they're accounting for the draft picks. And so with that, they've got a couple more guys they're going to bring in that. I mean, you know, I think it's going to be – they're not going to be – obviously, the high tiers are gone. You ain't bringing in free agents that are like, oh, anymore. Now you're bringing in guys like maybe a Tyler Eifert at, at tight end. I'm just suggesting the kind of players, you know, you're going to try to get – you know, you try to rub two nickels and get a dollar out of, of a player, you know, pay them little bits of money here, and they're going to bring in some guys. Because right now, I mean, right now, they ain't bringing back Jared Cook from, from, all, from everything I heard. Now, who knows? Damn he might right. come – he, he might come he back, might come. you know, and he might come back. I can't, you know, I never say he never. He might come back for the Lolo. You know, he might come back for the Lolo. He, he might. You know, know, Sean Connery came back and played James Bond again. It's possible, you know, but, uh, you know, I heard that, they, you know, they, they're going to go a different direction. So now you, you've got these draft picks. You've got four, man. You've got four draft picks in the top 100, and they're basically in top 35. And then your next pick is like a week later. Um, you know, later, late into day two, uh, with that, with that, what is it, 107, 108, somewhere around there. But anyway, you got, yeah, so you got, so you got four, you got, you got 24, you got 27, you got 35. Like I, 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 listen, I totally, I totally agree with you on this. I think it's something that the, the, the Raider Nation should raise their eyebrows at. Um, anytime you get a guy that's inexperienced, I mean, we're looking at inexperience right now. And when, when you look, we talk about another sport in, in, in the Lakers as far as what Magic Johnson and Rafa Linka are dealing with right now. As far as, you know, them getting situated and settled in. And it's the same thing I'm seeing here in Oakland when it comes to Mike Mayotte, a guy that was an NFL network guy, a guy that knows football, but just because you know football and been on the NFL network doesn't mean that you know what it means to be a general manager. 
and the responsibilities and roles that come with that. Um, and this is the part that concerns me when you get a person that's inexperienced. If they had a more experienced football minded individual in that slot, I wouldn't be as concerned. But when you, when you make these types of moves, and as you said, uh, Scott, you got $250 million to spend for players to get yourself together, not just for this season, but moving forward into 2020 when you move into a brand new state of the art facility in, in Las Vegas. So that, yeah, this concerns me and, and it concerns me even moving into the draft because I'm like, Hey, are you going to do the same thing when you got a, a top notch player that you know you need that will fit your skill set and fit your system? Are you going to move away from them because you feel like, ah, oh, well, we really don't feel as adequate or we don't feel as confident or what have you. Is that going to be a determining factor? I mean, real quick, cause I know we got, we only got a few more minutes. Um, Scott, when you look, when you can forecast ahead in the draft, uh, we mm-hmm. always talk, we, we talk about four extensively, but who do the Raiders need to get in, in the draft to, to round out their roster to give them some type of fighting chance moving forward? Maybe not just for this season, but in the next couple of seasons as they move. Uh, across state line. Knowing that there are still some players out there that I believe the Raiders are going to bring in in free agency, knowing that, you know, maybe a Marshawn, re-signing Marshawn, maybe a Doug Martin, they're going to bring, but I still don't believe that if they went hard into the paint with, with Le'Veon Bell, they're, they're wanting to upgrade the position long term. So that being said, we've talked about it. They're going to pick somebody up in the draft. And I don't know if you're going to grab that guy all the way in the fourth round. I mean, it, it, the, the, the running back class is, is a little flat this year. It's not, you know, there's a, there's like one guy, maybe two that are like way up there and the rest are kind of, you know, a little bit curved and flat. So, uh, you know, if you're going to get the Alvin Kamara guy and, and JJ, you're going to pay, you're going to pay, you know, a mid to late, uh, first for, for JJ. So the Raiders to me, I feel like they have, they've got four picks. In the top 35, they need to have six or seven picks in the top 100 to really get a good shot at filling, mm-hmm. at addressing their starting needs. Cause they got one guy right now who's starting at edge. One on the whole roster. You got five defensive tackles. Five. There's five on the roster. You got one edge guy. They carry four. You know? I mean, and so, you know, I mean, if you base it off of their past experience, five, five DTs, four, uh, uh, edge guys for a total of nine on the line. I feel like, I feel like they're going to grab a linebacker. I feel like it. I feel like a Devin Bush is a kind of guy. I don't, I'm not a big on white. I think white is, is, is a fantastic prospect. Devin Bush is big, but time. he's big, time. but Bush, I feel like is cheaper, but more value. At his pick, you know, late, late first round there, you know, what it really boils down to is I believe that the Raiders are, 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 if, if I had a magic ball based on the craziness I saw today, I believe the Raiders are, are, are actually planning to move on four. I don't think that, I believe they don't, they don't see Bosa coming to them. And if Bosa doesn't come and come to them, I don't believe they're going to get Josh Allen. So I know it's going to upset a lot of guys because if they can take four and they could trade with the Giants because I think the Giants are in love with Haskins. But there's also another player, and that's Miami. Miami has been real low-key with the quarterback, real low-key. But I believe that they're 
there's some, been some talk between Miami and the Raiders for the number four position because, you know, you, you have Denver. Denver ain't going to trade with the Raiders. Ain't going to happen. And Denver, yeah. you know, I feel is a, you know, I, I like, you know, they're talking Flacco up, but I still think they draft Locke. I think Locke is their guy. Uh, I mean, that's a guess to me, but I think Locke is their guy. They're gonna they're gonna pick and they're gonna take lock and he's gonna he's gonna fall to them unless Miami jumps over him, and that even that even takes into account to say the Jets move, you know the Jets make a trade with the Giants in the same building, and 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 Giants get Haskins at three, they still want you know Miami still might want to jump up there because I'm you know they might their their feeling might be Lock, that might be their guy, and so Denver and Lock so the Raiders are in a good position because you know how it is. Even if they're late round talent, all quarterbacks rise in the draft. So I think if you can move on four and you can get two first rounds out of it, or even a first round now, first round next year, and a second this year, or a third this year, anything this year in the top 100 in addition to another first round pick, that really sets the tone for the rest because then you can bounce a little, you can, you can move that pick again and you can, you know, you can get your seven picks, six or seven picks in your top 100. You can still get guys like J.J. Farrell, um, uh, Mr. X. I can't say his last name. It's Yanni. You know, uh, sweet. These are these guys. You know, uh, uh, you can then look at getting a wide receiver or a tight end, you know, one of the premier tight ends in the draft. You can address all of those guys with premium prospects because the draft is deeper this year. At certain positions, especially defensive line, linebacker, that that sort of thing, that you can get your guys. So Mm -hmm. that's what I'm saying. Well, that's a nice way to segue out of this show. Thank you so much, Scott, man. You you really put it down, man, when it came to the draft. See, that's why I let you just go ahead and speak on it, man, because I'm (laughs) sitting here taking notes my damn self. Because, uh, you know, I think the draft, like you said, I think the draft is very defensive heavy this year. Um, obviously there'd be, you know, there's some, some key running backs. There's some key wide receivers that could come out that can help certain teams and get to elevate them to a certain different levels. But I think it's a very defensive heavy draft. Unlike the last couple of years where we see a lot of, it was a quarterback, pretty much a quarterback and offensive heavy draft. Um, we'll see what happens with the Raiders, man, as they move forward. I mean, it's going to be a very interesting 2019 season. I know, I know training camp is going to be, uh, interesting, especially their final training camp in California, uh, Napa Valley to be exact. So you definitely know we got to head up there, Scott, and get some wine or something, man, while we go watch these Raiders, you know, try to, uh, sharpen each other up as they prepare for this 2019 season, man. Yeah. It, and as we get closer to the draft, we'll, we'll talk more about it. I've got, I'm not the greatest, I'm not the greatest talent evaluator. I got, I got good buddies for that, but I'm really good at watching, at seeing value and maneuvering and, 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 and I hear things about who wants to move. I do got that. So, you know, I, I will have some more insight and, uh, I'll have some funny stories, you know, that Mayock talked about how he's going to draft and how they're going to prep for it. And I'm like, damn. Oh, we're going to eat his weeds awesome. and eat some fruit loops afterwards. Dear God. Um, yeah. Get it how you live. That's all I can say. Get it how you live. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Silver and Black Turf, a.k.a. the Turf, here on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on SB Nation. And don't forget to download and listen to other shows on this here network. You got the Q&A with your boy Q and my man Joe Arrigo. You definitely have Spitting Silver and Black with Ania, 
Kalen and Addison. And then you also have the Raiders Roundtable only here on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on SB Nation. Make sure you tune us in every week and download, subscribe. Tell the folks about it. Come on, Raider Nation. Show us some love now. We're giving you a podcast. It costs you free 99 And uh, we're giving you some good game out here in these Oakland Raider streets. So until next time, for my man Scott Winter, I am Nick Hamilton, the host of the Silver and Black Turf here on SB Nation. Thank you so much. Until next time, stay sharp. We gone.